Blog Talk Radio. Boom, there you go. No theme music. So we'll figure that out and get that fixed. <laughs> we got nothing to bump us in here, but that's all right. No big deal. Um, this is Rob Thrasher with Spotlight on Success, and we're um, we're focusing on authors this week. Um, and we actually have two authors with us, which is very cool. Two authors slash investigators, which is also doubly cool. Um, my special guest co-host tonight is Denny Griffin. How you doing, Denny? Fine, Rob. I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you. I'm very happy to have you on. Uh, people don't know the background. Denny and I do every once in a while. We'll do a, some interviews together, some radio shows. Denny has a, a host of radio shows, I find out now. <laughs> I didn't know you were so busy, Denny. What the, how do you do it? <laughs> you got yeah, what, crime uh, wire going keeps on? Keeps me active, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so if you do go to Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com, and you either search for Denny Griffin or for Crime Wire or for Inside Lens, right, Lenny? Or Denny? <laughs> Yes, inside lines. <laughs> yeah, all these things you go to Black Hog Radio and search for those, and you'll you'll find Denny all over the place. Um, Denny's a for- former investigator, and he writes pretty much well. I mean, he's actually this is a kind of a cool story. Part of the reason I had Denny on was because Denny's one of these guys that has evolved uh, throughout time from again from New York State in- investigator to book author. And I'm assuming you're, you're still doing the books, but you also now have a company where you're kind of a contact point of contact for people looking, producers or what have you, looking for potentially, you know, either information about or interviews for or stuff like that for uh, for organized crime. So why don't you tell us tell us your story? Uh, yeah, Bear, Bear Media Consultants is uh, basically we we connect. People who are looking, uh, such as TV or movie producers, who are looking for technical consultants for their projects or or people to actually do a documentary about or to participate in a documentary generally involving crime, specifically organized crime, and um, or people looking for speakers, um, crime-related speakers. And we make the connection between the person or organization seeking the um, the speaker or the consultant and and that person I, I get as close a match as I can to what the requesting party wants and then I hook them up and they can uh, they can see if they can make some kind of arrangements I, I don't uh, I don't get involved in negotiating any financial arrangements between them I simply make the connection and I'm also through the Crime Wire series that we do on Blog Talk um, have many, many people available who have been victims of crime, and I think Jeannie, when we um, get to her story, falls into that category. Um, So if people are looking for someone to interview in that regard who has been a victim, survivor, uh, homicide survivor, and so forth, um, I can also make that connection. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I I knew we were going to have a lot of synergy flying all over the place here tonight by getting, (laughs) uh, getting both of you guys on. So yeah, well, appreciate coming, Danny. Thank, thanks a bunch. Um, what's your most recent book that you have out? Most recent book that's that's published was called Surviving the Mob. It's the story of a Gambino crime family associate, and that came out January of 11th, about just a little over a year. And I just finished a manuscript called Rogue Town, and that's the true story of um, corruption and organized crime influence in Stamford, Connecticut in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, and of a, 
a police officer who went undercover and wore a wire, and also a reporter that worked for the Stanford Advocate by the name of Anthony Dolan, and he won a Pulitzer for his investigative reporting of that whole situation. So that has currently been submitted to the publisher. And then I'm trying my hand at an entertainment book, and I have the entertainment book. It's about a fellow named Don Hill, who's a legendary saxophonist for a black musical group called the Treneers that performed from 1948 to 2003. So uh, his book is also just about done. Wow. <laughs> a little busy. You're staying busy. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Now, 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 with the company, it, is it is it safe to say that you have you basically you have contacts with people that are actually still, you know, kind of undercover? I mean, they're supposed to be. Yeah, I, several of the people are, are former witness protection types, and they have new identities and so forth. You're not going to find them in the phone book uh, right. situations. And retired uh, lawmen, FBI agents, and local police. And then uh, I've also got uh, the daughter of Al Smiley is affiliated with Bear Media. She, her dad was the one sitting in the room with Bugsy Siegel when he was murdered in yeah. Hollywood in uh, 1947. And he was uh, uh, at affiliations with organized crime. And also a lady named Wendy Mazeros, and she was the wife of mob hitman Tom Hanley, who killed uh, many people, may have been involved in the Kennedy assassination. That's speculative. But anyway, she also is affiliated now, a new addition to Bear Media. Wow. Fantastic. This is why, you know, I <laughs> I love having Denny as a, as a guest host because it just for the fact that I like to keep up with what what you're doing, because otherwise I would never never be able to keep up with all the stuff you have going on. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's very cool stuff. And it really does represent. It shows you how things evolve from, you know, from your original job in in New York, um, to a, a book writing business to a again. What, what would you classify that business as? What, what would you call your business? If I would say, oh, he has a, this kind of a business, just basically an agency for. For consulting, I guess organized crime consulting. Yeah, it's a consulting service. Uh, people tell me what they're looking for in the way of a speaker or consultant to uh, to, a, to a project. No. And uh, did you ever see the old maker. series um, Mission Impossible with Peter Graves? Oh. Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I used if to you love can that. recall that series, when when Peter Graves' character would listen to this tape recording the self-destructed in five seconds, giving him an assignment if he chose to accept yeah. it. He would then go home, and the next thing you'd see, he opens up uh, uh, some kind of an album or whatever with all these pictures in it, and these are the people that he can select from to, to assign to this mission he's, he's taken on. And that's kind of what I do. When when I get a request, then I go through my Rolodex and uh, and, and find the person who best suits what the what the requesting party is looking for, I contact that person and say, "Hey, I got a, an opportunity here. Such and such is looking for somebody like you to do a certain project. Are you interested in talking with them?" If they say yes, then I go ahead and and, and put the two parties in contact. And so, is that is that like on the business side of it? Is it like a one-time consulting fee, or would you con you don't contract with them, or? I don't contract with them. It would be one-time consulting fee unless they're going to want something more. For example, if a if a business or a, if somebody's putting on a series of lectures, where they're going to have a monthly 
uh, crime topic or organized crime topic uh, or crime victims topic. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I may then, you know, do a, th- a three or four or whatever uh, episode situation. Okay. Normally right. it, it's one shot, but it, it can be longer. Very cool. Very cool. So it can, you know, like anything, it can be a one-time gig that can turn into a recurring revenue stream, which is interesting. Very cool yes. business model. And how how long ago did you start that? That's fairly kind of launched that fairly recently, or yes, fairly well. I actually started. Uh, I opened the LLC, the Bear Media, with another project in mind about two okay. years ago, and that project never never panned out. So I had the LLC there, and I was thinking about just closing it down rather than paying the the fees to to stay in business. Right. And then uh, I started getting a lot of inquiries for my mob contacts. <laughs> and um, one of the former wow. mobsters told me, he said, how much are you getting, he says, for hooking us up with these TV people? And I right. said, I'm not getting anything. He said, are you insane? He said, they're using so? you. He said, they they make big money when, and they pay us to come on and do interviews or whatever or consult with them. He says, you're me. He said, without you, they they couldn't get to first base because they can't find us. So he said, uh, you're in. So I said, well, rather than folding Bear Media up, I'll actually start instead of just doing everything for free, I will <laughs> right. and begin to try to get uh, you know some type of paycheck or be compensated for my for my efforts. So that that's kind of how we got it. The, the business was established like two years ago, but not used for any. Oh, I practical. see. Okay, okay, I no. see. Yeah. Very cool. We have our uh, our guest on the line here, Jeannie Walker. Are you there, Jeannie? Yes, I'm here. It was how you doing? Very interesting. <laughs> Isn't that Thank great? You. I love it. I, I love enjoying it. Listening. Yeah, it's very cool stuff. Jeannie, tell us tell us what your tell us Jeannie's story is, is amazing. I know Denny knows it a little bit. But as soon as I saw we actually met through Facebook and went and she wrote me a, a letter, an introduction uh letter on Facebook and it wasn't like Jeannie, I swear when I tell you that my eyes popped out of my head and I said <laughs> I immediately wrote you and said Wow, can we get you on the radio show? And, and so, so why, why don't you go ahead and tell tell us uh, your story? Well, uh, the story is about the arsenic poisoning of my ex-husband, uh, who was a Texas millionaire rancher. And uh, I named the book Fighting the Devil. And it is a true story of consuming passion, deadly poison, and murder. Uh, uh, not, I guess two months before my my ex-husband was murdered, he called me up and he said he just found out that his uh, wife and bookkeeper were stealing money from him, and he had $35,000 missing from one of his accounts, bank accounts, and he didn't know how much was missing from the other bank accounts, but he told him he wanted the money back or else, uh, so he was expecting to get the money back. So uh, he said he said he told him he, that he wanted the money back by Memorial Day. Well, on May the 22nd, which Memorial Day that that year was, I think, was May 25th. Uh, he went to lunch with he had lunch with his bookkeeper and his wife, like he always did, because he was a workaholic. And they had taco salad. And uh, 30 minutes after he ate his taco salad, he started getting deadly ill. And uh, he thought it was funny that he was the only one of the one of them that got sick from eating. They all ate the same thing, he thought, but he was the only one that got sick. And he told some of his employees, I think those two women are trying to kill me. And wow. the employee didn't know if he was kidding or what, because he was a kidder. 
So anyway, he went to the hospital the next day, and he stayed in the hospital for a week and got better and uh, came out. And a day later, he was back in the hospital, deathly ill again. The first time he went, they thought he had uh, they thought he had food poisoning. So they, you know, uh, treated him for that, and he got better and, and got went home. And a day later, he's back with the same symptoms, uh, severe vomiting, diarrhea, and stomach cramps. And uh, so this time they thought he had a virus. So he stayed in the hospital three times, three days with what they caught, thought was a virus. And he goes home again. And the next day he's back in the hospital. He, they, My son took him back to the hospital. This time he was cyanotic. And if he hadn't got to the hospital that that day, he would have been dead. And he had to, my son told me he had to fight his stepmother to get his dad to the hospital, which he didn't understand because she kept saying, he's just fine, he's getting better. And when he said it was easy to tell his dad was deathly ill and on the verge of death, which that's what the emergency room told my son. Well, I, when he went, went into the hospital the third time now, uh, he started telling the nurses and doctors and everybody else that the bookkeeper and the wife, his wife, had were stealing money from his accounts and were trying to kill him. Hmm. So uh, the, 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 the hospital personnel didn't know what to think. So, and he was really sick anyway. He was deathly ill. And uh, he was in there for, I guess, for about four four days, and he heard overheard one of the nurses say something about arsenic poison. So then he knew he was he knew what that they they were definitely poisoning him and what with. So he tried to get out of the hospital, but arsenic affects your limbs and your your your, your nervous system, and he was weak and couldn't really walk. So he told the nurse to get his clothes and help him get dressed. Well, she went and called Luann, his wife, and said, he's trying to get out of the hospital. And so she says, well, tranquilize him, do whatever you have to, strap him down or whatever because he can't leave the hospital because if he does, he'll die. So wow. they they go in and strap him down, and he's fighting them. And they strap his feet down, they strap his hands down, and he remains strapped down in the hospital. And the horrible thing, because I got the medical reports, and from the medical reports, it, you can read, you can see that they started, even when he was in the hospital, they were feeding him arsenic through 7-Up and stuff like that. And then when he got so so bad that he couldn't, you know, he was strapped down. And then they started uh, pumping it. They started, he had scratches all over his face when he died, all over his neck and all over his face because he was strapped down and they kept on coming in and, and poking the arsenic down him with cokes and seven up and stuff. And then when he got so sick that he couldn't breathe, they put him on a ventilator. Then they started dumping it down the ventilator. Okay. He, oh, st- okay. he started holding his breath to keep from breathing the arsenic. And he died strapped down in the hospital. His hands and feet wow. strapped down in the hospital. Poisoned oh, over $35,000. Can you imagine this? Just a fascinating one, one story. One of his accounts. Wow. Yeah, yeah one, one that, that they could probably find, right? Who knows how many other ones. We we actually have a caller on the line. Can you take a call, Gene? Oh, sure. Okay. Here she comes here. Area code 401, you're on. Yes, hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? 
I'm doing really well. Um, my name is Lori, and I've been reading Jeannie's novel, and actually I've uh, completed it, and I'm so amazed at what happened in its, her novel. Just It has you sitting back thinking, wow, how do people get away with this? It's just incredible, and uh, it's it's a powerful, um, you know, message to for people basically, you know, keep an eye out on what you're dealing with. And uh, the then again, I mean, on one hand, I feel bad for this gentleman for what happened to him, uh, but then again, he really wasn't a kind person, uh, so. You don't know who to root for, but definitely right. don't root for the second wife in that that is some evil woman that I wouldn't want to cross paths with. And also uh her her friend Debbie Baker and um knowing Jeannie Walker, who is a lovely woman who I've had the uh blessed uh, effect of having as a friend now through Facebook and just love her. She's she's full of such a forgiving soul. Uh, I I really am inspired so much with Jeannie in that uh, I wish, to tell you the truth, I wish I had the uh, forgiveness that she has for what has gone on. But this this story really, really gets to me in that you know, being a paralegal my whole life, working in the legal field, I've been through a lot of things. I've witnessed lots of things. And basically, it really ticks me off that these two women are walking the streets right now. I mean, isn't that amazing? It's it's ridiculous. And, and there's something else that I don't know if, if anyone else caught, but something that angers me is that this happened in a hospital where, um, I don't know, you know, I guess there's a difference between hospitals or between states or whatever, but but just somebody being able to stroll into that place and and walk around and who do who knows what else well, in the hospital? I mean, exactly. is there zero security, zero protection for someone like that in the hospital? I mean, if you go to the lengths of tying someone down, you better make sure that you know that person should be checked on just constantly. Let alone have some sort of security at the front door that says, "How do you know this person?" Exactly. And and if anything, that's the part that really, really aggravates me. Depending on, I I suppose it's dependent on the state that you're in. But, you know, here in Newport, Rhode Island, you can't even get into, you can't even get through to the emergency room to ask, is my friend okay? And yet, you know, reading all of the, the information in the novel, it's as if, I'm thinking to myself, and I'm speaking out loud to myself while I'm reading the book, saying, "What are you yeah. stupid? Are you I, I are you doctors like, you know, deaf, dumb, and blind? Ridiculous. And what is wrong with these nurses?" So, yes, yeah. I I agree. You know, what kind of hospital allows such, you know, treatment of a patient? And if anything, I would definitely drop a a, a civil lawsuit against the hospital. You know, the children. Yeah, that's father. what I was thinking. Sure, I was thinking exactly. that as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but there's a lot of. 
I want to yes. thank you for calling in, Laura. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks a lot. Of course, I have to kind of defend the hospital for one reason. is because uh, it was the wife that was in there with him. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, Debbie oh. Baker, she, the wife, uh, Lou Ann, which who was the wife, she said Debbie Baker was her sister, which right. she wasn't even related. So that's exactly. why that's why those two women were allowed to be around him all the time because uh, they kept everybody else from coming going into the room to seeing him. So he basically didn't have anybody else helping him except his best friend, uh, and and it wasn't the nursing per- personnel that was stopping him. It was Debbie and Lou Ann stopping any visitors from coming in because Jerry wanted people to come, wanted people there. But his exactly. best friend didn't care what they said. He went in and, say, and saw Jerry, and that's when Jerry said, "Gamble, cut me loose, please, cut me loose. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna die. They're gonna kill me. You've got to cut me loose and get me out of here." So, you know, his best friend didn't know what was going. He said, "Those two women there." He pointed at the two women standing by the door. Those two women right. stole thirty-five thousand from one account, and now they're killing me. So I. I agree. I in you know, the book when when I read all of that information as well, I'm thinking, why did the legal system not listen to these facts? I mean, this is concrete, you know, evidence in that. Why didn't they listen to it? And it's as if for some reason they just you know let it go. You know, well, like, no big deal. That's why. That's how uh, people that poison other people and kill them. They usually get away with it because, especially arsenic poison, it mimics so many other natural diseases. Sure. And that they thought, and see, they never, they who would think that your wife is poisoning you? Right. And coming in and pre- pretending to be a caregiver, and oh, honey, how are you doing today? And here's your seven up. They didn't don't expect the seven up to be loaded with arsenic. Right. You it's, know that was tragic. It, yeah, it's just, and you know, you know, and then. When he started telling everybody they stole money from me and, and they're trying to kill me, well, then Luann, which she is a very convincing liar, she kept telling them, he's hallucinating from the pills that you're giving him. He don't know what he's saying, you know. So, and I they didn't at know, that point, Jerry, they should so have definitely brought in a psychiatric doctor if they're assuming that this person is hallucinating, talking, uh, craziness. I mean, these doctors definitely should have, the hospital should have said, okay, let's just bring in a psychiatric uh, physician yeah. to do some questioning of this patient because we need to know, is he really, you know, a little bit crazy just saying these things? Or mm-hmm. maybe, you know, they could have, there could have been so many things to get there, to the base of yeah, what was there, going on. There were so many mistakes made that it's just un- unbelievable. And as far Definitely. as the lawsuit, we were going to bring, uh, we were going to bring a lawsuit against the hospital, and we right. probably would have won because there's so much that they should shouldn't have, should not have done, you know, uh, major malpractice and the stuff that they should have done. But yes. at the same time, uh, if, if we would have brought the lawsuit, which I was contemplating on half of my my children, uh, they wouldn't then they would not be able to do anything with a criminal case. So we had a choice to oh. make. Right. Do we right. want yeah. the civil suit or do we want the criminal suit? And right. to me, bringing them up and, and you know having them tried for the murder of, of him was more important than the monetary, uh, you know. 
Which so, I agree with, but unfortunately, it didn't turn out well, the way no, it should no, have. That's, no, it, no, nobody figured, you know, uh, first know. off, uh, the, when you're fighting the devil, Lori, you, you don't, you, he's going to throw everything at you. Oh, to keep yeah. keep you from winning. And he's going to throw everything he can to make you stop fighting to where you, it's just not worth it. Everything's right. going against us. But... But I mean, I learned after Jerry, after my, after Jerry died, that he used to call me a gladiator, and I didn't know that until he died. Uh, and people wow. said he, he used to say, "Have you heard from the gladiator?" And that's what he called me. And I guess I didn't even know it, but I guess I am a gladiator. Uh, yes, and I you are. Stop. I'm glad. I'm glad to know. The, and it's true. You certainly are a gladiator. I mean, 20 years, my hat is off to you, and you touch my heart. I really, really admire what you're doing still, and it's just it's incredible. Um, I just hope that folks, you know, will hearing this will get your novel and really, you know, you know, talk and, and get this. This needs to, I strongly believe, get to be a movie. It really needs to be purchased. Oh, it, it sounds like a no-brainer, actually. Yeah, the story. Don't you that, think, that, Rob? That, that's what struck me first about it is I could almost see it as a movie before. I, I haven't even, to be honest with you, I haven't read the book yet, but I was so I fascinated haven't. by the topic. It, you it, will have goosebumps reading it. And um, I, get, I get goosebumps just thinking about the stuff that happened, and I, and I know everything that happened, and and I still get goosebumps and chills going down my back when I think about the stuff sure. that, that actually well, did happen that, that, that you know, and I couldn't even put all of it in the book. I, I'm right, saving right. some of it for the sequel that I plan on hoping, hoping that we're, we're going to do. But, oh, that would be wonderful. You know, but but yeah, nobody cool. thought we'd ever find enough arsenic either because of, you know, they just never thought we'd find the arsenic. Because, see, we right. owned a big old horse ranch out there in Wichita, Wichita Falls. We owned a ho- big old horse ranch, and we raced horses and made a lot of money racing horses, which is one of the ways that Jerry became a millionaire. And they first thought that uh, they he might have been, you know, using arsenic to give the horses more stamina, which is not mm-hmm. what we did. We did everything the honest way. And uh, so that wasn't it, and I told them that's not it. It's just some kind of other arsenic. And uh, so when the sheriff asked me if I would help him investigate, because it happened in a small small town, and uh-huh. they didn't have money or the resources or the time to do everything, so he asked me to help him investigate the case, which I didn't know anything about investigating at that time, but he told me what I needed to do and how to do it. And so I was calling up uh, anybody and everybody, DAs across the country. I was talking to Anybody that had any knew anything about arsenic poison, medical examiners. I've talked to Michael Baden. I've talked to all of them, uh, and I talked to John. Then I, when I called John Douglas at the FBI, he's the first one that said, "What agency are you with?" Well, that's when I had to, had to say, "Well, I'm not with any agency. I'm just the ex-wife of the murdered man." It's called the me, my, the me, myself, and I agency. Yes, yeah, right. I can't give you any information. You, you're, you don't have to have the agency to call me. So then, when that's when I called the sheriff and I said, Sheriff, I'm running into a problem. They, they won't tell me anything because I'm not with an agency. And he said, Well, go get a Bible. Now this is, that, I was in New York and he's in Texas. 
and I'm talking to him on the phone, and he said, go get a Bible. I'm fixing to make you a deputy. So he deputized me over the phone. <laughs> I loved I read that, and I loved it. So, so I became a deputy. So, yeah, so next time when they said what agency you're with, I said Clay County. So I'm a deputy with Clay County. So then I started getting all kinds of information for them. And then I sure. found out, and then they would give their investigator you know, because the stuff I found out they couldn't use in court, but but they put their investigator on it, so their investigator found out the same thing I did, which is the stuff that they used in the trial when we finally did find the poison. Right. So it's a, it's a, there's so many twists and turns in this case that it's just unbelievable. That, that people said you might as well give up. The sheriff said we're not going to find the poison, and they threw it away. And I said. Sheriff, I've got news for you. I've done enough research on arsenic poison now. I know all about poisoners. Most of them are women. They don't throw the arsenic away. They don't. The researchers don't know if they keep it to use again or if they keep it to gloat over and say, look what I did. Wow. But they always right. keep the arsenic. Is that right? Always. Right. Hey, Jeannie, hey, you know, everybody can... We just take a quick uh, a quick time out here. Okay. Um, we're coming up sure. to the uh, the, ha- the half hour mark, and so what happens next is um, I give out some contact information real quick, and then after that we go into we're still recording, but the show's not on live. So I want to encourage everyone to come back, download the show. If you uh, if you want to listen to past shows or download the show for iTunes, you can go to radio dot cyber village c y b e r village all one word dot com. Radio.cybervillage.com. You can find out more about Denny Griffin, who I'm going to talk to here in a minute after the, the, the after the uh, quick break, and then um, and then we'll continue uh, with your story. If everyone can can stay past the uh, end of the live show, um, then uh, we'll con- we'll pick this conversation right up in about five seconds. Again, go to radio.cybervillage.com. There's links to Denny Griffin's show, Crime Wire, um, and I will have some links up to um, the Facebook page for Jeannie Walker. Also, Google Jeannie Walker, Google Rob Thrasher. And uh, thanks for the caller. You can still hang in as well if you like. And sure. Definitely. There we go. We're off live stream now. So sorry about that. I just wanted to get that uh, wrapped Coming up there. Up I don't know where the time went. And, Me neither. Uh, time it's incredible. Goes fast, but uh, I do want to ask, uh, Denny, do you have any experience with this type of, of crime? Arsenic, No. Uh, and I'm getting an education here today. I might have to call on Jeannie to, to further my education sometime. Very interesting topic, certainly. Um, and, and Jeannie, as a matter of fact, would you uh, entertain being on my Crime Wire show sometime down the road? Sure, I'd love to, Danny. I, I think you're cool. very interesting. And um, uh, What I'll do is I'll uh, get your contact information from Rob, and in a week or two, I'll, uh, or a few days, maybe I'll get a hold of you, and we can see what we can do about the schedule. That'd be great. I'd Very love cool. to. Very cool. Okay, and if I might, and uh, if you're not familiar with CrimeWire, we generally investigate cold case homicides or suspicious death cases that may have been ruled as either undetermined accident or suicide that may, in fact, have been homicides. And wow. we found out in there that a lot of the people, the families who are victims, they're victimized twice. They lost a loved one, plus, and they get victimized by the justice system. Well, that is absolutely it. true, Danny. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's really scary, and, and mo- most of us, fortunately, don't have to go through that. I mean, you know, the, the, and as a percentage, the homicide victims are, are a small percentage, the survivors. But uh, 
and but they don't realize until they're in that situation and it's amazing the caller just mentioned a little bit ago about a civil suit and i know that I always hearken back to O.J. Simpson and how the Goldmans sued him civilly for wrongful death after the uh, acquittal in the criminal case. And a lot of people have such blind faith in the law enforcement agency. And 99.9% of them are dedicated professionals. They do a great job. But like anything else, you do run into cases, and I'm not saying this is Regini's case, but... We run into cases where where maybe the investigation wasn't quite up to speed, maybe the agency involved didn't have the the expertise or manpower or whatever, and things didn't get done. And the the survivors don't realize that until a lot of their options are gone. In other words, there's a statute of limitations to file these actions civilly. And if they miss the boat because they think that the investigation is going uh, being done properly, by the time they get the idea that, wait a minute, I'm still, you know, I'm talking to people who were potential witnesses and nobody's even talked to them yet and two years have gone by, you know, what's, <clears throat> what's this investigation consisting of? And when they realize that and start taking a second look at where things stand, they've lost a lot of their options that they would have had early on or earlier on in the case. So... It's a, it's it's an educational experience, and it's it's under the most tragic of circumstances, and um, you know people are going through the grieving process and so forth. They trust that somebody else, whose job it is to investigate these things, is doing it and doing it the right way, and only to find out later that perhaps some things were missed or not done the way they should have been done, and. Um, it's really a tragedy, and the people we talk to who go through this. So I, I um, commend Jeannie for learning and educating herself on this on the investigation, and learning all she's learned and keeping the ball rolling. Because a lot of people just give up right. when Come when I... so many doors get slammed in their face when they're trying to resurrect an investigation or do their own investigation. You know, they just get frustrated and feel they can't win, they can't make any headway, and they quit. And and that's when it all dies. So I really uh, want to congratulate Jeannie on her ability to hang in there and do what needs to be done. I yeah, do, yeah. too. Um, cool. Do you mind if I pop in for a moment? Um, oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, about about five more minutes, and then we're going to give your address, web addresses and all that sort of stuff. Okay, I'll be real quick about it. Um, sure. Being in the legal field uh, for over 25 years, um, I thank God after getting my law degree that I said, no, I'm not going to take the bar because um, working as paralegal, I have come to know that I agree with Denny on so many issues that basically a lot of folks who are out there hoping and and thinking that, oh, okay, you know, the, the justice system is taking care of this and that. Unfortunately, they're not. I know as uh, for, for uh, from firsthand knowledge, I mean, I have taken care of cases in which the attorneys I'm working for, they don't give two hoots about cases. They'll let time fly and fly and fly, and the best thing they'll say to a client to just keep them calm and happy is, oh, we're working on it. We're working on it. Oh, yeah, it's number one. And as soon as they hang up the phone, they're like, oh, whatever. And then they just, you know, move on. So trust me, it's I've experienced 
all of many different uh you know issues through my work in the legal field and excuse me it's it's disappointing it has definitely made me thankful that i didn't go for my law degree because i didn't want to be in that stereotypical pool of sharks to be you know right. have that negativity uh follow me around but I am glad that I did get a law degree to understand what's going on. And uh, I, I definitely, I admire Jeannie so much in that she has really, as as a layperson to begin with, has become an expert in, you know, doing this investigation and staying on top of it. And yeah. it's it's an incredible thing for for people to do, and it's definitely admirable. And definitely, uh, I am proud of her. I think that she definitely is, uh, what was that phrase? You're a... um, Gladiator. Gladiator. A gladiator, yes, indeed. (laughs) You are a huge gladiator. And and definitely, you know, your faith in God and having faith constantly is something that helps people to carry on. And... You know, if you drop your faith, obviously a lot of people do, and then they, they're they the ones who, it seems to be, that say, oh, oh, I can't do this anymore. I just, I have to let it go. And that's unfortunate. It's a shy thing for people. And, um, but definitely many factors. Uh, well, you well know. I have learned that you have to have the faith of a mustard seed and the patience of a saint. Because people are going to tell you nothing's going to happen. I had I don't know how many people tell me nothing is going to happen. You know, uh, it took two years for us to finally find the arsenic, and in those two years, I had I don't know how many people tell me nothing is going to happen. They're not ever going to find the arsenic. Nothing is ever going to happen with this case. And and I said mm-hmm. something is going to happen because I'm going to make it happen because I trust enough in God that He's going He is going to hear our prayers and something is going to happen. That arsenic is going to be found. Mhm. And, and I'm glad it did. I and am I, so I, glad it know, did. And, and people were surprised when they when they did find it and when they did find it. I was the first person that the sheriff called and said, "Jeannie, you're not going to believe what we found today." So. Right. You know, and 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 it was so strange because when he did call me, and here I've been doing research on arsenic because we had no idea what kind of arsenic it was. Because there's, I learned there's lots of different arsenics. There are, <laughs> definitely. You know, but here I am researching this one arsenic, uh, uh, this one arsenic called Cali's Rat and Mouse Poison. And I look down one day and I see this yellow legal pad, and I've got Cali's Rat and Mouse Poison written the whole. Over, over and over on that whole eight and a half by eleven sheet, uh, no fourteen, eight and a half by fourteen is a legal size pad. Right. And I said, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time, you know, on this one arsenic. But uh, I, I, it can be anything. It can it can be any kind of arsenic. So why am I wasting my time on that one arsenic? So I start. I was going to throw. <laughs> I, I was going to tear the piece of paper up, you know. Yeah and start on another arsenic, but for some reason I couldn't ter- bring myself to tear that page off of that legal pad. So I just put it in my desk and go down to the library, medical library in New York and to research some more arsenic, and I'll be darned if I didn't get stuck on Callie's rat and mouse poison again. 
<laughs> and so I learned everything about everything about that poison. The EPA number, who manufactured it, where it was manufactured, uh, the the person that started it, his address. I even called him up and talked to him. Wow. So when he when the sheriff called and said we found the arsenic, Jenny, you won't believe it. We found the arsenic. They forgot to pay the rent on the storage shed, and the manager found. You know, called us up and we went out there and searched it, and here was this bottle of arsenic here. And so I said, "Well, tell me what it's called, and I'll do research on it. Tell me the name of it." So he said, "Hold on, let me get my glasses and and I'll get the keys and unlock it out safe, and I'll tell you what the name of it is." Because I was researching everything he needed me to, you know, anything he needed, I did it. So he said, "Come back," and he said, "Well, okay, here it is. Here's what it reads." Cowley's rat and mouth poison. <laughs> so I said, I can tell you everything you need to know. The EPA number, FDA, you know, everything about that, right. that arsenic. And I had no idea that's what they used, but that's the arsenic that they used. So the Lord works in strange ways. That is something else. We're getting down to the wire here, so I just want to throw out all the kudos and all the web addresses and Facebook pages and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, if you want to want to learn more about arsenic, which I really do, uh, I'd be careful Googling that, for starters. <laughs> I don't know if you want to. <laughs> well, I've, you got know, a, I've got everything about arsenic, uh, Rob, in my book. I've got put go. a glossary in the back if anybody wants to know about arsenic or the symptoms or anything else. It's in the back awesome. of my book. How do they How do they find you on uh on the internet, what's the best well, way to find? Well, they it? can Google Jeannie Walker, uh, author Jeannie Walker, or award-winning author Jeannie Walker, and that's J E A N N I E W A L K E R. Our uh, it's JeannieWalkerBooks.com is my is my website. Very good, very good. And, and, and as I said, I'm everyone can reach uh, Facebook as well. Yep, yeah, you, I'm on so Facebook you can actually. Too, huh? Search Jeannie Walker on Facebook or uh-huh. Google or, like you say, throw the word author in there and I'm almost guaranteed to get if you it. Google, if uh, you Google Fighting the Devil uh, by okay. Jeannie Walker, I think you'll, about 15 pages pops up on, on Google. Okay. It, it um, has. <laughs> very good. And, uh, Denny, how can we get a hold of you? BearMediaConsultants.com uh, and I have DennisNGriffin.com website. And let's see, of course, through, uh, you know, I have a a page on Amazon, uh, the Amazon site. So uh, uh, several ways. Uh, Just search Amazon for Denny Griffin. If you Mm -hmm. Google me under Dennis, Dennis Griffin, uh, I'll show up. Okay, and I'm going to have links. I'm going to have links to all you guys. And 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 Lori, if you have something you want to, as our guest caller, what the heck? I'll give you a link too. If you want to link to something, or are you working on a book maybe or something? I don't know, but I'll give yeah. everybody links at, at, at radio.cybervillage.com. I'll, I'll I'll put the links on the homepage and I'll make it make it a sticky post so it lasts for until at least till next show. Uh, everybody, come back for the next show. Find the find the schedule and everything at radio.cybervillage.com. I'm not saying www. I'm saying radio.cybervillage.com. I think it'll work anyway, but everybody always asks. And, and, uh, so there you go. Thanks for coming in, everybody. Thanks for calling in, Lori. Like I say, we'll have Thank links you. to whatever. If you want to link to something, just let me know. And sure. once again, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Danny. Thanks a bunch, man. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, please send me Jeannie's right. info, and I'll get in touch with her. Okay. I'll do that right now, man. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. And I'll Bye-bye. be emailing you, Jeannie. Okay.
I enjoyed it. Bye, guys. Okay, okay. thanks. Uh-huh. Everybody, bye. Bye. Bye.